this is a, a morning that the Lord can speak to us real personally. One of the beauties of Journey is the opportunity that we have to, to have a more intimate environment, to have, have a space um, where we can interact and have some flexibility about how we can do stuff. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm going to warn you up front that we're going to just have a, an unusual opportunity uh, uh, at the end of the service. Um, and what, th- what that basically means is that this morning we're going to be looking at this passage in, in, in Paul's life where, where life got a little bit messy and maybe he didn't do things just right and, and maybe he was discouraged and afraid and fearful and the Lord met him. The Lord actually came and appeared to him and said, you know, take heart. And gave him peace and gave him a direction about the future. And then God even cleared the path for what God was going to do. Um, I think all of us can be in those circumstances in life that, that um, we just don't know what's next. Or, 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 or we've been trying to do something and, and we just messed up. Uh, we, we've all done that. That's the beauty. That's what I love about Journey is that, that, that I hope this is a place that you can come to and feel safe. That you don't have to have a pretense of being in a certain way or having accomplished a certain thing, but that we're just trying to go in the right direction. Uh, and and this passage today, you know, Paul. This is the situation Paul's in. Paul, Paul, you know, has 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 come to this stage of life. He's come to Jerusalem, and he doesn't know what's next. And he may have messed up a little bit, and he's just like, Ugh. and the Lord comes and meets him. And the Lord says, take courage. You know, just as you've spoken in Jerusalem, I'm going to have you speak in Rome. And then God just does this crazy miracle and provides for him. Uh, and, and so I, I just want, I, I love the example we're going to have today in this passage of God meeting, giving peace, encouraging Paul, tell him what the next step is, and then clearing stuff out of the way. And, and I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of the service today, just, just, just hey, if, if you're in that situation, if you're in that situation, man, I, I, I need... I need the Lord's peace. I need his comfort. I need his courage. Um, I, I need to know the next step, what he has for me. And, and, and man, I just love to see him clear some things out of the way. Um, we're going to have an opportunity just to pray for one another at the end of the service. And, and, and no one's going to have to share anything private and say, oh, this is my life story. I'm just going to have folks, you can just stand up and folks around you just put their hand on and they'll just pray through three things for you. Um, and I'm just going to give you that as a heads up. Um, because that, that, that's sort of where we're going today. Because now, and, and as we read the story of Paul, I want it to be very personal. Because it was very personal to Paul. And if you're not in that situation now, you're going to be in soon. <laughs> or at some point. Where you need the Lord's peace. Where you need courage from the Lord. Where you need direction for Him. And man, you just want to see Him move and clear things out of the way. And so you know, man, I'm right where I want to be. I'm right where God has me to be. And so I'm just looking forward to looking at this passage and seeing an example of how God does this in Paul's life. So that's what's going to take place at the end of chapter 22 into chapter 23. And we're going to learn that, man, discipleship, we're doing this series, you know, be a disciple, make disciples. In other words, we're supposed to follow Christ and help others follow Christ. And that, that concept is discipleship. And as we do that, it's messy. And so discipleship is messy. This process of following the Lord and helping others do the same is messy. Yet, the Lord is with us and goes before us. And so we're going to see that example in Paul, and that's what we'll look at today. Um, and I hope it's a very helpful thing um, as we have the opportunity to do that. Now let me give you a little setup for where we are in the book of Acts. Paul, um, as you know, has he, he did his first, second, third missionary journey all through Turkey, Macedonia, Greece, and he's come back. And this last trip back, when he was making his way back, um, folks kept wanting him to stay in Ephesus and stay here or there. And he's like, no, I've got to get back. I'm, I know I'm supposed to go back to Jerusalem, but I don't know what awaits me. But in every town I get in, the Holy Spirit tells me, hardship is coming. 
I mean, how, how would you like that in your prayer time in the morning? Lord, please help me for this day. Hardship is coming. <laughs> Lord, I got an exam this week. Hardship is coming. Lord, I've got uh, work today. And I got hardship is coming. That's what Paul's getting. He's like, I want you to go to Jerusalem, but hardship's coming. And and so, but he knew he's supposed to go back to Jerusalem, and so he finally gets there. And the church there is excited. He's there, and they hear the story, and then they share with him. All these Jews have come to faith, and they all want to follow the law, and they want to follow Christ, and it's exciting. And so he says, "Go out, make some offerings, so they know that you're not way out in left field." So he makes some offerings, and and. And while he's in there making some offerings, he gets through a rush, and they decide to try to kill him. Um, and so, great welcome home, you know, great time in the temple. He goes in there to make offerings, and people try to kill him. And so, actually, a, soldier, a commander comes in and rescues him from being killed. Okay, so a commander comes in, rescues Paul from being killed, pulls him out, and then Paul says, well, let me address the crowd. <laughs> I don't know if the commander knew what he was getting into. Um, <clears throat> so then Paul shares with the crowd. And that's what, you know, when Bill spoke last week about our testimony, that's what Paul did. Paul shared his testimony. He told about what Christ did on the road and how Christ drew him to himself. And, and so he shares pretty boldly. And, and when he mentions going to the Gentiles, they get all furious again. And the commander's like, enough of this. And he takes them away and he's going to have Paul beaten. He's like, I'll let you speak to the crowd and this is what happens. I'll show you a thing or two. You know, so he stretches out Paul and get him beaten. And Paul's like, I'm a citizen. You know, he's like, oh, crud, I can't do this. I can't beat you if you're a citizen. So he stops and he goes, okay, i got to figure out what's going on. So he, he says, I'm going to call on all the religious leaders and Paul and you, you know, you, Paul, all those leaders, I'm going to find out what's going on, because i got to know, because this is just crazy. Okay, so that's the setup. That's where we are. Paul's in Jerusalem, he's about being killed, rescued by a soldier who he ticks off, um, and he's about to beat him, and then he gets a reprieve, because he's a Roman citizen, and the guy says, i got to figure this out. So that, that, that's the setting. And so I'm going to read the story, um, and there's three segments. There's one segment where Paul's with this religious authorities that are called the Sanhedrin. It's the collection of all these religious guys. And then there's this brief one verse where the Lord meets Paul. One verse, thunk, verse 11. And then verse 12 to the end of the chapter is like the assassins and Paul. Okay, because there's like 40 people who want to kill him. And then how God provides so that doesn't happen. So there's three sections. Paul, the religious leaders, they get sort of confusing. God meets him. And then, and then the section on the assassins that God provides. So I'm going to read and let's just see, let's see what the Lord does and see how Paul um, interacts and then we'll sort of walk through um, briefly together. It's a long chapter, so here we go. I'm going to start in verse 30 of chapter 22, and then I'll read all of, of chapter 23. The commander wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews. So the next day he released him and ordered that the chief priests and all the members of the Sanhedrin to assemble. Then he brought Paul and had him stand before them. Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. At this, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. I'm just reading. You sit there to judge me according to the law, yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck? Those who were standing near Paul said, How dare you insult God's high priest? Paul replied, Brothers, I didn't realize that he was the high priest. For it's written, Don't speak evil about the ruler of your people. Then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees, and others were Pharisees, 
He called out in the Sanhedrin, My brothers, I am a Pharisee, descended from Pharisees. I stand on trial because of my hope in the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. The Sadducees say there is no resurrection, there are neither angels nor spirits, but the Pharisees believe all these things. So there was a great uproar. Some of the teachers of the law who were Pharisees stood up and argued vigorously. We find nothing wrong with this man, they said. What if a spirit or angel has spoken to him? This dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces by them. So he ordered the troops to go down and take him from them by force and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you've testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. The next morning, some Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. More than 40 men were involved in this plot. They went to the chief priest and the elders and said, We've taken a solemn oath not to eat anything until we've killed Paul. Now then, you and the Sanhedrin petition the commander to bring him before you on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about his case. We are ready to kill him before he gets here. But when the son of Paul's sister heard about this plot, he went into the barracks and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the commander. He has something to tell him. So he took him to the commander. The centurion said, Paul the prisoner sent for me and and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The commander took the young man by the hand, drew him aside, and said, What is it you want to tell me? He said, Some Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul before the Sanhedrin tomorrow on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about him. Don't give in to them because more than 40 of them are waiting in ambush for him. They've taken an oath not to eat or drink until they've killed him. They're ready now, waiting for your consent to their request. The commander dismissed the young man with this warning. Don't tell anyone that you've reported this to me. Then he called two of his centurions and ordered them, Get ready a detachment of 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at 9 tonight. Provide horses for Paul so that he may be taken safely to Governor Felix. He wrote a letter as follows. Claudius Lysias, to His Excellency Governor Felix. Greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and they were about to kill him. But I came with my troops and rescued him, for I had learned he was a Roman citizen. I wanted to know why they were accusing him, so I brought him to their Sanhedrin. I found out the accusation had to do with questions about their law, but there was no charge against him that deserved death or imprisonment. When I was informed of a plot to be carried out against the man, I sent him to you at once. I also ordered his accusers to present to you their case against him. So the soldiers carrying out their orders took Paul with them during the night and brought him as far as Antipatris. The next day, they let the cavalry go on with him, and they returned to the barracks. When the cavalry arrived at Caesarea, they delivered the letter to the governor and handed Paul over to him. The governor read the letter and asked what province he was from. Learning he was from Cilicia, he said, I will hear your case when your accusers get here. Then he ordered that Paul be kept under guard in Herod's house. Isn't that a great story? So we're in this continuing journey of Paul's, of, of Paul's experience of taking the gospel all sorts of places, of being a disciple and making disciples, and then following this, this command of the Lord to come back to Jerusalem. And so we have these three segments. First, his appearance before the Sanhedrin, the religious body. Then the Lord appearing to him. And then the assassin encounter. Okay, how God provides him a way out from that. And as we look at this, we're going to see that discipleship is messy. It's messy. 
Yet the Lord is with us and goes before us. That's the sort of example we're going to see in Paul's life. And what I'm going to talk about is that, that first section, Paul and the Sanhedrin, that's sort of the example of messiness. And I'll explain why. Um, because he, um, and the you know, second thing, God's with us. You know, that's that part where the Lord speaks to him and he goes before us without God's provision of Paul and getting him on his way to Rome. Um, but the first thing I'll talk about is the messiness of it. Um, interestingly, I want you to just try to identify with Paul for a second. Um, Jerusalem hasn't been the kindest of places for key religious leaders in the movement of Christ, right? John the Baptist, he was sort of taken by Herod, and what happened to him? Yeah, that's right, he got his head cut off. And not in the nicest of ways. He just head cut off, brought in on a platter. Okay? Jesus, remember... He was called, he, he felt led to come to, he knew God was calling him to come to Jerusalem. And he knew bad things were going to happen. He knew he was going to be crucified. And he obeyed and came. He was betrayed. He was taken by the religious leaders. He was questioned. He was handed over to the authorities. And he was, what? Crucified. So here's Paul. He knows God's calling him to go to Jerusalem. He knows it's going to be bad and hard and difficult and he doesn't know what awaits him at all. And now he's here and what happens? He's arrested. They almost kill him one time. He's taken by the authorities and now he's brought before the Sanhedrin. Is there any parallels here? I mean, Paul's got to be going, oh my goodness, is this the end? The Holy Spirit's been telling me I don't know what's going to happen in Jerusalem, only hardship. And remember Paul, they said, don't go to Jerusalem, don't go to Jerusalem, because I'm ready even to die if that's what the Lord has me to do in Jerusalem. Well, now he's here and it's not looking so good. If patterns sort of roll out the way they have with others. And, and, so, and so, so here he is. And, and then he has this interaction with the Sanhedrin. I don't think this was probably the, the highlight of Paul's career. If you're going to put like highlight moments... He probably doesn't have this on his reel. You know, if you're like trying to play college sports and you want to send a highlight reel for basketball or for football, you know, if you're in the spiritual reel, you want to put spiritual high moments, you know, this probably wasn't one of them for Paul. I mean, he goes in the Sanhedrin and he says, you know, what, what does he say in verse whatever? He says, hey, look, I, you know, I, I've been a good guy, I've done what I'm supposed to do, you know, brothers, in, ver, in verse 1. I feel my conscience, that's no problem. Then the high priest orders that those strike him on the mouth. I and mean, that's probably not the best thing that could have happened. Um, um, and then Paul's response, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there to judge. I mean, he just goes right at him. Okay, I mean, he just straight dunk. I mean, he just goes right at him. And, and then they go, you know, you can't say that to the high priest. And he's like, oh yeah, I didn't realize that was the high priest. Um, and it just wasn't one of his greatest moments. And especially like when Jesus, Jesus was questioned, same thing. He was questioned by the Sanhedrin. I mean, they're spitting on him. They're doing all this stuff. And, he, and Jesus, I mean, he is straightforward. He goes, you know, tell me what I've done wrong. But so I wonder if Paul's going, man, I, I just, I just, I did, probably just didn't do so well. Jesus came in and he did right and I came in and I, 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 I this probably isn't my greatest moment. And then, the, and then they're arguing, you know, and, and, and some people have different questions, you know, you know Paul's, did, 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 did he, was he being really, like God says, in Gospels, Jesus said, he says, be as wise as a serpent and innocent as doves. 
And so, so Paul picks up on this inherent conflict between the Sadducees and the Pharisees, right? That one group believes in the resurrection and spirits, one doesn't. And the way you can keep them straight is, you know, the Pharisees don't, and the, Sadduc- the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection, and they don't believe in spirits and angels, and that is sad, you see. Okay, So that's how you can remember the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees, it's sad, you see, that they don't believe in those things, because those things are true. There are angels and there are spirits. There is a resurrection of the dead. Okay? And actually, it were the Pharisees who were coming to faith. Because they did believe in those things. Paul himself was a Pharisee. And they were looking for the Messiah. And they, they found so, so the Sadducees line was much less responsive. And actually, you needed to believe like the Pharisees did to put your faith in Christ. Because Christ rose from the dead. That's foundational to the Christian faith. And so it's very, very, very true what Paul said in the sense of, hey, I'm being persecuted because I I believe in the resurrection of the dead. That's that's 100% true. It wasn't the most explicit witness to Jesus Christ he could have possibly made. Okay. And so people say, was it a a good thing? Who knows? It's messy. Life is messy. So whether or not it was the most brilliant thing of Paul or not, whether his response to to the high priest was right or not, it's messy. And at the end of the day, you get down to verse 11, and the Lord comes up to Paul and he says this. He came to him, this is what's so cool. He stands near Paul in the night. Paul's in the barracks. The Lord stands near him and says, take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. I just love that verse. Now, he wouldn't say to Paul, take heart, take courage, be encouraged, if Paul was like on the top of the mountain. If he was like just dancing, woo, I'm doing awesome, I knocked it out of the park, and God goes, take courage. He's confused, he's probably scared, he's wondering if he's going to die, he's wondering if he handled things the right way. Was it the right way to talk to the high priest? Was it the right way to talk to the Sanhedrin? Is it all over? Am I going to be just like Jesus and be killed? That's where he is. He's anxious. He's worried. He's confused. And I just love it. The Lord appears. Just take care of we don't really have a word like we, we, we usually say don't worry. We, we, we say the absence of a negative. Right? We say don't worry. We, we've sort of lost the old English be of good cheer or I don't, I don't know what we would say that's a positive. You know, we might say you know, lift your chin up. Lift your head up. But someone, he says in a positive way that we would say don't worry. He says take courage or be encouraged. It's all the same word. It's the same word that he used when he talked to the, the lady. You remember the lady who was, had a disease of bleeding and she touched Jesus' coat and he turned around and she's like, oh crud, I'm in trouble. And he goes, don't worry, your sins are forgiven. And another person, a blind man calling out and he goes, hey, be encouraged. Jesus hears you. He's coming to heal you. It's that sense. These people are worried. They, they have something they can't solve. And then he's like, be encouraged. And that's what Jesus said. He goes, take courage. And then he says, as you've testified in Jerusalem, so you're going to in Rome. He points to what Paul did when it was right. When he spoke to the crowd 
when he took that opportunity to tell his story, he testified to Jesus. I, I, I just love that the Lord stood beside him, gave him encouragement, pointed out something he did right, and then he points him to the future. Because as you testify for me in Jerusalem, man, you're going to testify to me in Rome. I just love that. Don't, don't we all need that at times? I mean, I know there's been you know, many periods in my life where I'm just like, I don't know what the next step is. And I don't know if I've been doing the right stuff. And it's messy. And I'm confused, feeling a bit guilty. I just need God to meet me. You ever been there? There right now? That's our experience in life. And that's why I love this story, because the Lord does this for Paul. I tell you, the Lord does it for us, too. You know, He, he, he does it to me all the time. I'm anxious and worried about all sorts of stuff, and I'm reading His Word. I just take some time to read His Word, and He just comes and gives peace. And He just speaks peace over me. He says, hey, just relax. You can trust me. Sometimes he does it through other people. Sometimes folks come up and they, they speak encouragement to me. This is the kind of stuff the Lord does. But not only does the Lord tell him to take courage and, and tell him to, you know, this is the next step. He also clears the way. I just love the whole assassin thing. I mean, come on! Paul has been getting his rear end kicked up and down Turkey, Macedonia, and Greece. I mean, there's not a town he hasn't gone and he's probably left some blood and body parts behind. I mean, it's been brutal. It's been hideous. He's left for dead once. You know, you guys been left for dead? I mean, and he keeps on going. And he thinks it's over and he's scared and this or that. And God says, no, no, we're not done. You've testified to me in Jerusalem. I'm going to get you to Rome. And then, next thing you know, Paul's got, what, 477 soldiers escorting him? Like, when has that happened? They're usually chasing him. And now they're escorting him to get him there safely. you got to know Paul's just like, I mean, he's got to be going, okay, God, I get the picture. You're in charge. You're going to accomplish what you're doing. You seen God do that for you before? I, I, I've seen that many a times. I remember when we were first you know, looking at going over to Central Asia. God opened so many doors. We were going to move to Kazakhstan. He, he just made it so clear. We were just doing all these things. Just ting, 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 ting. Like, oh God, okay, give me a break. I gotcha, I gotcha, 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 gotcha. And it's very clear. I remember a couple of months ago I shared the story about, you know, meeting, you know, we were talking about, you know, being more active and sharing our faith and taking the initiative to share with folks. And I met those guys in Burger King in Colorado. I meet two Turkish college students in Colorado Springs in Burger King. I mean, what are the chances? Zero. God was just trying to encourage me and clear the way and say, this is what I want you doing. I want you to be taking initiative. I want you to be doing this. I mean, even this last week we were praying about something a couple, like about a week ago. And, I mean, I kid you not. A guy, when we lived in Almaty, Kazakhstan... A guy there, one of our closest friends, we had our kids all the same age, blah, 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 long story, haven't seen him 
in 10 years since we moved back from Kazakhstan. I'm at Sam's, what's it called? Sam's Deli, out back eating. And this guy walks up, I go, Teresa, that looks like Dan. He's like, what? I go, Dan! And he turns around, it's Dan! Dan, who we lived in Kazakhstan with. Who, who now has moved back to the States, lives in Memphis, happened to be in Birmingham, was meeting somebody at Saw's, but thought they misspelled it, and it was supposed to be Sam's. So he's wandering around the back of Sam's trying to find his friend. Now how does that happen? It's impossible. But we got to catch up with Dan and got to be encouraged. And <clears throat> It was God. God's going, look, I got this. I got this. I just want to say, that's what God is like. That's what God did for Paul. And if we took the opportunity, you guys could, you all, in life, you could just share stories. You know, yeah, I had this time, and then God just showed up. He made it so clear. He made it so clear. That's what our God is like. Sometimes He just shows up. He meets us in person. He gives us the encouragement we need. He points us in the direction and says, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to open the doors for you. And so that, that, that's what I want to see. This discipleship thing is messy. We're not going to get it right. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to miss opportunities. I had an opportunity this week. I had a neighbor, a friend who came, a guy who came up and I had a conversation with them and I was asking him how I could pray for him. And I got back in the house and I was like, this was the perfect example. I've been, I've been working on this thing of how to transition to the gospel in a simple sentence. So there was a time in my life where I was, where I was fearful and afraid. And I remembered the, I remember the forgiveness of love of Jesus Christ. And he gave me peace and hope. You got a story like that? I mean, I've been practicing that. And it was a perfect opportunity to talk to the guy and transition to the gospel. I got back in the house and I'm like, dang it! I missed it! You set it up for me. You gave me this softball and I just was like, playing in the dirt. Life is messy. We're going to miss it sometimes. We're not going to do what God has for us. But He's with us and He goes before us. And He's walking down the path with us. That's what He does. So I, I'm, can you put the, 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 the prayer request things on the screen? I'm guessing there may be a couple people in this room that you need God to meet with you and give you peace. Whether it's uncertainty or fear or a situation you can't overcome or just the messiness of life. That you need God's direction for the next step for His plan for you. And you just love to see Him demonstrate how He's clear in the way. You love to see Him just blow some things open for you. Okay? If that's you, I warned you. If that's you, in just a second, I'm just going to ask you to stand. Remember, this is journey. There's no pretense. You're not going to have to share your life story. But what's going to happen is you're going to stand up and then folks around you are going to just come around you put their hand on your shoulder and they're simply going to pray these three things for you. He's like, God, would you please give my brother, would you give my sister peace? Would you meet with them? So they know you met with them. Would you give them direction for, for whatever their question is in their life and that you would give them the next step for your plan? And God, man, would you show them how you're clearing the way for them? Would you just do something to blow open the doors as, as, as they're walking to follow your plan?
Okay? That's what we're going to do. Got it? Okay. So, right now, if you'd like prayer for those things, I'd invite you just to stand up right where you are. 